0: Everybody homely
1: and now it's time to sit back and enjoy the two true freaks internet radio broadcast
0: stop
2: it in oh, what's in the box
1: I got nowhere else to go! I got nowhere else to go! I got nothing else. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Back to the Bins. I'm Paul Spitaro, and that's Dr. Bill Robinson. See? You can barely shut him up. And we have our ex intern with us today, Professor Allen.
2: I
0: wanted to talk to you about that severance pay. Some of those checks bounced. I mean,
1: wait a minute! Oh, wait, 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 wait! Somebody issued you a check.
0: Maybe yeah, that. I got maybe, my rubber
1: checkbook right here. That was maybe that you were was just supposed problem. to be told it was in the mail. Well, nobody was supposed to actually send it.
0: I thought I thought Bill was the head of HR, which would explain a lot. <laughs> He's not the payroll manager. Wait a minute! Was oh, I duped a... all
2: along? Scott Gardner is the payroll manager.
1: Actually, actually, we have we have like a one a window with one of those like teller cages on it, and Bill is behind <laughs> it. And you say, "I'd like to speak to the head of HR." And he says, "Okay, wait a minute." And he turns around, and he puts on a different hat, and turns around to you. "Okay, I'm the head of HR." <laughs> oh, excuse me, I was wrong. I need to speak to the payroll manager. And he takes that off, puts on a visor, turns around again.
2: No, just, when I'm the head of HR, I turn around and with an HR puff and stuff head on. <laughs> Well, howdy.
0: That does explain a lot because I went to HR with a lot of complaints about the payroll manager. Woo, let me yes. just say.
1: Anyway. Bill oh, pretty hey, much smoke? has yes. every every
2: title except for producer
1: lands on Bill.
2: <laughs> I'm also the back-to-the-bins medical doctor. I can mm-hmm. prescribe you anything you need. Oh, my lands.
1: He keeps telling me this limp will go away. <laughs> One leg is supposed to be shorter than the other, like that. Ah. It's get, more natural that way.
2: Just stick it another. Just tie a book to your foot. You'll be fine. <laughs> yeah,
1: that was, uh, that, was worked, that was that was my kitchen table. That was Bill's. That was Bill's uh, treatment. I, I, I was having. I had a limp, so he he took a couple of rubber bands and put a uh, hardcover uh, graphic novel on under one foot. <laughs>
2: Let's see. This looks like uh, this might be a Frank Miller leather bound edition and maybe uh, maybe a watchman on the other foot. That ought to give you the right balance in your height there, Paul.
1: <laughs> so because Scott is on a- uh, Scott is on assignment today, which brings Professor Allen to us.
2: But there was a Scott that. sighting this weekend. I had a Scott sighting. He and I went did, did some comic diving down in Brandon, Florida. How would you
1: guys make out?
2: uh pretty good I, I pulled in uh i don't have the exact count but i spent roughly about less than a dollar for each book
1: and yet if you called me with with 10 dollar books i'll allow it i'll allow it you're not allowing 10 dollar books
2: i think no, i had, no, i no, think no, no, i no, came no, out no. with 105 books for one uh, uh physical books for 101 dollars
1: how many of them were Turok number one?
2: All of them. <laughs> I have to paper a new wall. And I want that premium foil cover backing for my wall. As an insulator for solar power. Actually I'm gonna it's make all a solar holograms. Array.
0: Everywhere I look it's holograms. <laughs>
2: Maybe I can reflect the heat away from my house to keep it cool. It's going to be
1: like that scene in uh, Fantastic Four 200 when Reed prize Doom's mask off and there's all the mirrors.
2: <laughs> I'm going to step out of the shower naked into the hologram room.
1: <laughs> ah! have a spooky theme going today even though as I mentioned earlier we are now well past Halloween. But for whatever reason we went We're also horror well occult.
0: Early for one two. That's positive.
2: true.
1: That's true. Come on. So,
2: Inspect <laughs> bins, we don't plan that far ahead.
1: <laughs> yeah, just just think about ten months ahead
2: <laughs> or eleven listen months
1: to the ahead. Prophets.
0: No, I I I think this is great. I mean I think I mean, to be honest, 2011 has been a great year, so I'd say I'm 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 loving this. I mean, things are going great. So I'm, I don't know how how far in advance you guys you know release episodes, but I think 2011's looking good. One of my favorite I, years so far.
2: Either he's pulling our leg, or he's had a stroke.
1: <laughs> Maybe both.
2: I, or he's I, just ignoring this past year. Live, go, I, going back ten I, years just to really capture a better 20, time in life. I hear rumors. is a
1: little shaky. I
0: hear rumors 2020 is going to be a little shaky. I
2: got one word. I got two words for 2020. Oh. And this will be, this will give us the explicit tag. 2020. <laughs> and a horse remote in on. The uh, there, you'll,
1: be you'll, there'll be no explicit tag. There'll be a, be, a bleep. No bleep. Oh, there'll be I'll I'll you. I'll make you bleep all day you bill B- you so uh, we might as well get into our first book now because this is just going totally off the rails here
2: so i guess we don't have any there's no comic news because well there's no comics we're talking about
1: oh uh, we we are a show that focuses on old books for a reason
2: yeah that's true yes my book not so old though old enough yeah, it's within our current criteria, I believe.
1: No, I, I think it may not quite make that. I'm not 100 sure. Let me take a look. Yeah, no, it's, no, it's, but, it's about two years shy of our criteria, yeah. but it'll. It, but it's a classic it's character. It's fine. Who's gonna notice? No, nobody, in, nobody in this uh, particular Kirk call was able to count. Kirk will notice. This I heard Hold, the, hold the
0: episode a couple years. No big deal.
2: Oh, that's true. We could hold this two we'll years. Post,
1: we'll post date it.
0: Post date, <laughs> yes. Like, like all those checks I got from Para. Anyway, moving
1: on. I've, i moved beyond that. Professor Allen's intern check is dated twenty <laughs> two twenty one. <laughs> as long as you're around to cash it.
2: Well, you know, I had those signed by Victor Von dune That way, you wouldn't cash them because you wouldn't want to give away his. Uh, His uh, autograph. See?
1: So I brought today... (laughs) I brought Adventure Into Fear with Morbius... With a man called Morbius the Living Vampire. Issue number 22 of Fear with a cover date of June of 1974. Well within our date parameters.
2: Aren't you smug?
1: I am quite smug.
2: (laughs) Paul's always been a rule follower as
0: opposed to... Well, anyway.
1: <laughs> you, you throwing stones there, prof? He's throwing kidney stones. Hey, watch it. <laughs> Might put an eye out. So the cover, which is drawn by Ron Wilson, and apparently with, it, it's, it's credited to Ron Wilson, Frank Giacoya, and Danny Crespi. I don't know if Danny Crespi is another inker or if he was the letterer for it. But anyway, it shows Morbius atop like a uh, stone outgrowth. Outcropping? Yeah, and he, he's holding a cat creature who's wearing a pair of uh, – spe- wearing a Speedo uh, by the neck and kind of twisting his head. And there are other cat demons in the background. And then there's the almost obligatory uh, woman with a barbarian – Bathing suit on, laying at the ground.
2: No, that's Martine. That's his. She's in her seventies dress.
1: Mm-hmm. And it says Cur- no, she, "Curse of the she Cat. She a lot younger than seventies. <laughs> oh, that's not. Never mind.
2: <laughs> that's your book.
1: Fear for thrills in in the tradition of Dracula. Anyway, uh, just to comment on the cover before we get into the synopsis of the book, it looks to me. Like, it's a well-drawn cover. I l- kind of like the layout. I, I'm i pretty happy with the coloring even on it. But it looks to me like Morbius is drawn just far too substantial. I always got the impression, and I think I remember in one of his he's early more, appearances of lift, Spider-Man, lift, that, lift, that, yeah, that, that lift, he almost, lift, almost, lift. almost felt lift. weightless. Yeah, But he, here so he looks bulky. like a bodybuilder.
0: The guy in the corner box looks less buff. yes. Mm-hmm.
1: It's not that he's not supposed to be strong, but I don't think he's supposed to be buff. I think he's supposed, to, like I said, I I think I, I remember Spider-Man commenting that he was almost weightless. Anyway, uh, otherwise I think it's a pretty well-drawn cover. The story is called "This Vampire Must Die." It is written by Steve Gerber, and as anybody who's followed comics long enough knows, if it's written by Steve Gerber, it's gonna be a little weird. Uh, it's penciled by Rich Buckler, which I never would have thought, based on looking at it, it's inked by Luis Dominguez. Yeah, and he's credited as the layout artist, so I'm thinking he gave some very rough layouts. Because when I look at it, it almost looks to me like it's drawn by Frank Robbins. Not Mm -hmm. quite, but close to it. Uh, The inker is credited as Luis Dominguez, who I'm not familiar with. The colorist is Michelle Brand, who I'm not familiar with. The letterer is Jean Simic, and I believe we've run across her not too long ago, Bill, uh, because she's Mm -hmm. the daughter, I think, of Art Simic, who was the letterer, like, in the 60s and very early 70s, and it's edited by Roy Thomas. The synopsis is as follows. As the sun begins to rise over the city, Morbius becomes determined to escape the painful light. He kicks the demon Belkatar from off of him. Escapes (laughs) Right escapes, <laughs> escapes to a dark alleyway. Morbius runs through connected alleys, but Balcatar catches up to him and attacks. Morbius fights back, but the encroaching sunlight weakens him. To Morbius' surprise, Balcatar is intelligent and can speak. While conversing with Morbius, Balcatar hears a telepathic message from his leader, who he calls His Majesty. Balcatar lifts the weakened Morbius and tells him to prepare to go on a journey. Damon suddenly bounds into the alleyway and orders Balcatar to kill Morbius, but Balcatar will no longer listen to Damon. Instead, Balcatar bursts into a flash of light and disappears. Damon goes back to Martine in anger. Meanwhile, the caretakers have been watching from afar. And are astounded and worried by the series of events. They are now unsure how they will save humanity. Elsewhere, Balkatar and Morbius appear on the cliffs overlooking another world called the Land Within. It is hey, the home of demons.
2: Professor Allen, pass that thing, man! Don't, don't <laughs> bogart it <at> all. <laughs>
1: Whoa, Here Yeah, it is mind blowing. I keep going.
2: Oh, and Paul. Mm
1: much better off just with an edible. The place is filled with light, yet it does not hurt Morbius, for it is not natural sunlight like that of Earth. Morbius tries to understand this new place, but Balcatar knows little of his own world as it is, so he dismisses Morbius' questions. He beckons Morbius to follow him to King Garrick's palace, where they are expected. Balcatar surprises Morbius by stating nonchalantly that he is to be executed for disobeying Damon's orders. Morbius is astounded since the king himself ordered Balcatar away, but Balcatar states that this does not matter. the rules are set in stone. Balcatar and Morbius arrive at, as the throne at the throne room and are greeted warmly by King Garrick, who immediately has Balcatar taken away to a prison cell. The king informs Morbius that he was summoned to the land within to help solve a crisis. There's a population problem, and the king needs a killer. The king decides a history lesson might persuade Morbius. He tells Morbius that the land within was created by the sorcerer Ebrok, who filled the world by transforming house cats into house into cat-like demons. Ebrok and his fellow sorcerers created more and more cat-like demons, but after a few generations, their intellect increased, and they became a threat to the sorcerers. The cat demons revolted, but were unsuccessful. The sorcerers imprison them within magic, creating the land within, as a cage for the demons. Each generation, a demon is chosen to be the Balkatar, meaning a title meaning the summoned one. The Balqatar must do the bidding of whoever summons him. The demon's culture and science was enhanced drastically over time, and their population became too great for them to sustain themselves. The demons do not wish to harm each other themselves, so the king proposes that Morbius do their dirty work for them. Morbius refuses to harm anyone. He escapes the throne room by leaping out of a window and vows to kill the king and free the Balcatar. Morbius is still weak, so he drinks from a cat demon. He accidentally drinks too much and kills her. With his strength returning to him, he suddenly realizes he, he is surrounded. The cat demons who saw him kill one of their own attack Morbius... And throw him into a nearby river. At the end of the river is a wall of mystical energy. Morbius wonders if this is his chance to escape, so he dives underwater as he passes through the wall. Continued in the next issue.
2: Man, there was so many musical references I passed up in that synopsis. Oh oh it's magic. I'm a fool to do your dirty work. You would just throw it at me, Paul, and I just I just kept my cool and I held back. See, I was just thinking. Speaking of cat demons, hey Bill, how's Alvin doing these days? I think he's Garrick, the leader of the cat cat. kids. I I I thought he was
1: the the summoner. Maybe. (laughs) Uh, So, is is this where um,
2: is this where Tiger comes from? I gotta think there's a connection
1: between this cat
2: or is that a different group of intelligent cat people that were turned from house cats into cat people?
1: Look at the cat. He's gonna gonna, cut me with his clothes.
2: (laughs) The pussy cat's gonna scratch me.
1: I uh I I don't know if they ever I don't know for a fact that they ever made a connection between them, but I gotta think that they did. It's just you know it's just too much to have different cat worlds all over the place. I mean, if you can
0: have multiple Atlantises in some uh, comics universes, maybe multiple Cat-like demon hybrid races?
2: Well, there are different breeds of cats, so I don't know.
1: But as I said before I started, Steve Gerber, go figure, huh? Oh, boy. It's just, you come, know, I have I, to say, I, come, I, I, oh, go ahead.
2: How come the Summon one has no pants, but all the other cats do?
0: That's what you get for being a leader.
2: No no no, no, the one's the the summon one that goes out into the the, oh. the he doesn't wear oh, any clothes, well. but all they're, but when we get to Catville or cat new cat city um cat cat catsylvania Catalina cat, you know, they're all wearing clothes
1: I, I'm or at least seeing, they
2: appear to be wearing clothes
1: no, I'm not seeing clothes.
2: Or is it just a. Yeah, yeah, what are you talking about? King Garrick's wearing clothes. He's got, a, he's got g- a cape. He's got a cape and he's got a loincloth. Hey, that's that's so much
1: better than a Speedo?
2: And then the female
1: cat's got clothes on, too. And oh, then the got guard cover, cats have She's she got to cover up. Wait, I mean, how many, how many nipples does a cat have? Like six? I don't oh. know. I've never known. She's got to cover cat. that stuff up. <laughs> and Bill
0: Bill sounds disappointed that she's wearing clothes, too. That's the issue that I have. I'm,
2: I am not a furry. It's a little sick, Bill. <laughs> Anywho. Uh,
1: and they do call her Catwoman in the, uh, in the, the oh, narration. I, I sense a trademark dispute.
2: Hmm. So the guy that was uh, back <coughs> on Earth, what is that? Page six of the art? Uh the guy that comes around the corner, what's his name? Damon. Uh, Damon. Is that supposed to be uh King Tut, Victor Borno?
1: I'm I'm thinking <laughs> no.
2: <laughs> that's who he looks like. With hair. With hair? Well, that that's a big it. That's a big if.
0: That's a big change. Hmm. Well, see
2: that expression, maybe. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, not the hair. Just, like, cover up the hair, and that's Victor Borno. For those of you who don't know who Victor Borno is, uh, go watch Beneath the Planet of the Apes and uh, Batman. Yeah,
1: the Batman TV series. He was
2: was King Tut.
1: He was Reverend Jim's father on Taxi. Oh, really? I did not know that. He was. Oh, I the, he had that. two parts on The Odd Couple. He played an exorcist, and he also played a <laughs> uh, defiant landlord. Anyway, this is not a victim. Both of which could throw
2: people podcast. out.
1: <laughs> so this was right around the time when I first started actively collecting comics, and I was picking up all sorts of things. You know, pretty much whatever I saw on on the for sale rack. And I picked this one up then, and I remember after I read it, I kind of didn't have any desire to read the follow up to be honest with you at at eleven years old, this was just a little much uh, mm, yeah, I think I enjoy it more now than I did then, because now I'm kind of curious where Gerber's going to go with it, and i'm kinda I kind of have a greater understanding of the way Gerber's storytelling would just be all over the map. Back then, I wanted a little bit more. Something just a little bit more grounded.
0: At 50 something, it's a bit much. Much less 11. Yeah. But it's it is 70s. It's wild. It's weird.
1: Oh, it definitely is. It's uh, the artwork. Like I said, I I kind I kind of like the artwork. It. Like I said, it looks like a little bit of Frank Robbins to me. It's, it's kind of loose. The, the inking—I'm sure the pencils by Buckler were very loose—and it doesn't look like the inking really tried to tighten it up much. So, so much as just kind of uh, just kind of darken it a little bit. Uh, you know, some of the shadow work, especially on the muscles, is very uh, sketchy. Mm. So it's it's. It's kind of interesting. The, the scene of the overpopulation in the city is just, like, to me, it, it's it's <laughs> hilarious. Looking. It looks like New York Comic Con. Not this year. No.
2: Lots of cats.
0: Lots of cats. Well, that but, might be what it is this year in an empty auditorium. It may have been overrun
1: by cats. I'm just picturing uh, Steve Gerber sitting around the house smoking a doobie, and a cat walks by, and this whole story occurs to him. Well, maybe you know he heard a story about a cat having a litter of babies, and that's it. Took off from mm-hmm. there. But just that's you know, a...
0: weird. It stuff. is a crazy. It
1: it it is a crazy sci-fi notion, though. I mean, and he tries to ground it in that you know he doesn't just say that there's this independent world with cats on it that came up, you know, into existence on its own. He does say that whatever the sorcerer. In, you know, mm-hmm. uh, gave the cats the intelligence. But, you know, how did they do that? By sorcery, of course. You know, that's that's, how, that's, that's it's what
0: in, sorcerers do, Paul.
1: It's so easily that's explained. That's how they do their just, work. It, it really takes, you know, unlike Stan Lee, who tried to ground his stories in science and would just give you the most weird science in the world, uh, by putting it in sorcery, you just say, well, it's magic, what?
0: As <laughs> opposed to... As opposed to it being uh, magnets and transistors.
1: And radiation. <laughs> That's it. Radiation. So, what did you guys think of this thing? I'm, I'm curious.
0: Like I said, uh... it's, it's it's a pretty cool sci-fi concept. And, you know, I, 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 I think when you have a vampire character, there are some limitations sometimes that the stories can get sort of familiar so you go completely wild with this one and i I think if you're dealing with this sort of character you got to go kind of crazy kind of wild so
1: well add to that the fact that not only do you have a vampire character but you have a vampire character that you're trying to make into uh you know one of of your earliest anti-heroes right uh and it's coming out at the same time while, while you're pu- publishing Tomb of Dracula, so you need to vary off of that. You can't just tell the same stories. Right. So in that regard, I think Steve Gerber was probably the perfect choice to, to write this book at this point.
0: And, it, and, it, and it, uh, it, it does give Morbius a chance to turn down a pretty crazy offer, right? You're here to mm-hmm. – you are our – exterminator, but not of our pests, of our children.
1: Just because we don't have the backbone to eliminate our own population, nor should (laughs) they. I'm not condoning that. Uh, (laughs) But we don't have it. But we're going to somehow bring you over here to do it and not take any moral responsibility for what we're doing. And we're going to offer you exactly what you want, but give you the moral dilemma.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. So it so it does give him a chance to act in a uh, moral, heroic uh, manner, especially towards cats because everybody loves cats.
1: Yeah. <laughs> hey. Alvin and I get along, but you know, beyond that, it's <laughs> kind of a dog guy.
2: I have to question Alvin's motives of late. Gives me some looks
0: alvin is always scheming yeah i i heard an episode recently of this show where you got uh you got quite a quite a uh quite a slash
2: from uh from alvin oh was, a quite a cut oh when he woke up in the middle of the night and leaped uh-huh. off used me for a springboard yep. Yep. yeah that was a i think i think you saw those photos didn't you paul
1: I think I did. I think I have ga- pretty much wiped that- them out of my memory, though. Cause they were A big gri- they were-
2: gouge in the side of the side of my belly. That's pretty nasty. I look like Quint. <laughs> <laughs> Twenty men went in the water, and then the cats came. That would sounded like Sean Connery. Uh, anyway. Is. No, that's enough.
1: So, uh... I guess we don't have too too much to talk about with this one, so why don't we rate it? Because we got two more books to cover, and I guess I'm going first. So, like I said, I dig the cover, but I don't think Morbius is drawn to the character the way to the character model that I picture in my mind. Uh, so I'm going to give it a B as a cover, but a C plus. I'm, I'm lowering it to a C plus because I just think Morbius should have been drawn in, in, in a more lithe kind of look. So the uh, story is so out there and it's just, you know, it seems like to me it almost feels like a story that he wrote in like three minutes. Uh, but it's kind of cool. It kind of, you know, it, it kind of clicks with me. So I'm going to say a B on that as well. And, well, not as well because I did lower the other one to a C plus. But the interior artwork, rich buckler layouts over with, with inking that just makes it look not rich buckler-like to me, but not bad, just the same. So I'm going to say a C-plus on the artwork, and overall I'll give the book a B-minus.
2: You can go ahead, Professor.
0: In Terms of the of the, the cover, I I ended up I, I landed on a C. I was gonna go lower because this is so minor and picky and it's just marketing speak. But the fact the biggest word on the cover, I mean other than the title, the biggest word on the cover is Dracula. You
1: know, where it says,
0: in the spirit of Dracula or in the in the mode of Dracula.
1: And we're going hey, to have a vampire on the cover, and if you don't look closely enough, you'll think it's Dracula and buy it.
0: And, and they do have a book featuring Dracula, but this isn't that. And so I actually didn't like that. And these cat demons didn't look all that scary. They look scarier in the uh, uh, in the book, I think, than they do on the cover. Uh, Morbius looks pretty scary maybe a little too buff, but so that was just, the, just a just to see. Uh internally I thought uh when you're drawing Morbius, the first job is to get those expressive eyes, those emotional eyes. And you know if if you do those well, you've gone a long way in terms of, of telling a good Morbius story as far as I'm concerned, and those are done pretty well. There are a couple cool pages with interesting layouts. That double-page spread of the city within, that was good. So to me, this is all a B uh, for the art. The uh, story itself, again, it's it's not a bad sci-fi. It's a crazy sci-fi concept, but it's not a bad sci-fi concept. You bring in Morbius to uh, clean up your own mess, um, and the... Uh, in a weird, almost logical way, that mess—I mean, there was an explanation for how it came to be. You can't call it logical or understandable, but it—it it, there was something that they attempted to make some sense out of it. To me, the story is a B plus, almost A minus overall. It's it's a high B, probably not a B plus, but a high B. I thought it was a pretty enjoyable, you know, for a for a 70s book just totally out of the blue, a one off. A one-off, uh, enjoyable read.
2: Um, <clears throat> yeah, the covers. The cover is. Uh, I'll give the cover a B. It's you know, sorry. all right. Yeah, Morbius is a little bit. Maybe you could say that's a false advertising, or you know, in the tradition of Dracula. Uh, but I'll let it slide. Um, there really is no curse of the cat demon. It's again, that's maybe a little misrepresentation, but it's a comic book, so we'll let it slide. So we'll give the uh, the the cover a B. The interior art, um, it's yeah, I wouldn't really think this was Rich Buckler, but it's still pretty good. Uh, yeah. The double page with the uh, with the city is neat. Um, I like this shot where somebody's chucking a rock at Morbius and it hits him right in the snoot. Almost look like it went up his nostril. <laughs> you know the one I'm talking about? Yes, I do. <laughs> like kind of like, oh! oh man, come on, dude, my nostrils are big enough as it is. I got stuck with a <laughs> got, rock in there.
1: I got. A st- I, I, I was unlucky enough to be born with Gil Kane face. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Let's not make it worse, please. Um. So the interior art, I'm going to give that a. Uh, I'm going to give it a C plus B minus. And uh, the story. Okay, so here's now. Here's how I would have got rid of the, the the unwanted cat population. So they want to get rid of their kids, right? They got too many damn kids. So Tell me you just, about it. You oh, just sorry, tell sorry. You only <laughs> have one, Alan. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I got three. Oh and one lives up there by you. Oh so, um, so you tell all the adult cat people what's in this particular cave, right? But you don't tell the kid cats or the kittens. And you call it Curiosity Cave. Need I say more? <laughs> See, I was thinking or one, one laser.
0: Cave. I was thinking one laser pen and a pack of double A batteries. And, and you just you know, play it off of a whoosh, cliff.
2: off a cliff. Off a cliff. Off reesh, a cliff. Reesh. Schrodinger's cliff. Is the cat dead or alive? Well, <laughs> Only the observer will know. I tried to explain that to my daughter, and she just – was like circular logic. Well, obviously, if we put poison in there, the cat's dead. I'm like, no, the cat's not dead until it's observed being dead. But you know – I'm like, the cat is neither alive nor dead until it's observed by an outside source. That's – yeah, we just kept going. I sometimes think she likes to argue just to argue, though, so.
1: Well, that's the whole idea of the Schrodinger's cat, oh, yes. though, is to, is to yeah. give you something to argue about.
2: Yeah, so, uh, so, yeah, I guess B, uh, yeah, story, uh, story's good, B. So, that's uh, a B book. B for cat. Huh? <laughs> uh, Bill?
1: Uh, that's maybe, why we have Bill maybe on Maybe we
0: here. need to have a chat.
1: A cat? I got a cat.
2: Oh, a oh, chat.
1: Boy. Oh, boy. So, Bill, Bill will show us more of his language skills by covering the next book.
2: And our next book comes to us from D.C. And I actually have this book.
1: <laughs> it comes to you from F.U. <laughs>
2: I'm <sorry. laughs> from University
0: of oh, F- man, I just, I, I just want to thank you guys for inviting me on this really momentous episode. I mean, Bill has a book. I mean, hey. let's not blow by this. This, <laughs> this is big, guys. This is, I don't know if, I don't know if listeners understand. how <clears throat>
2: Oh, thanks, Bill. <laughs> I'm 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 glad I could meet and exceed your expectations. <laughs> just I'm I'm like one of the one of your students that finally came to class prepared, and you're just completely dumbfounded by this fact. The, you the, you did the work. Oh my God!
0: The one I like to say when someone comes in after a couple of weeks is, "Huh, I used to have a student that looked a lot like you." <laughs>
2: So I have The Phantom Stranger, and this is volume four, number zero from November of 2012. And this is with the New 52 relaunch. And I actually have this book in my collection. Um, did you uh, Do you have a copy of this, Professor? I do not. This was one of
0: the New 52 books that intrigued me. Mm. Uh, but I never got around to it But uh, I mean until uh, about 12 hours ago
2: okay but so you you know what we're looking at wink I wink do. nudge, nudge. <laughs> say no more say no more because I didn't remember if perhaps I if you were able to locate a copy I'll just keep beating around this bush until it's dead
1: uh, You're beating a dead bush with a horse. <laughs>
2: and the horse ain't liking it. Oh, I keep jumping. Where, where's my notes? I don't have notes. I'm, I'm lying out my ass. So, writer on this is Dan DiDio. Not to be confused with Ronnie James DiDio. Uh, penciler, Brett Anderson, inker. Scott Hanna, colorist. Jerome Jerome. Jeromey who spells what Jerome Cox you think'd be the last one that would screw me up how do you guys say that Jerome? Jeremy that's not Jeremy is it
1: no that's how I say it just because it's spelled slightly different doesn't mean oh bad.
2: yeah what's the spelling
1: spelling smelling
2: as long as letters
1: yeah <laughs>
2: Letters, Travis Lanham, Lanham, Latham, Travis, editor, Will Moss. That was a nice and easy one. So our story is entitled A Stranger Among Us. And in the cover we have, um, it's a kind of a strange cover. I uh, <laughs> get it. <laughs> anyway, it's. <laughs> It's the Phantom Stranger in purple font. Uh, Looks like there's some in the background of the book. Like he's bursting through a comic book page and because it's all torn and ripped and he's coming through the page at at the reader kind of in uh, in his dark bluish garb, uh, which is a little bit off from his normal garb because usually it's black with a white shirt. But this all seems to have a blue bluish purple hue and he's reaching out towards the reader. Um, I have half of a pre-canned synopsis. So I'm gonna skim through. Uh, so basically, this um, three. Ah, screw it. I'm just gonna do it old-school Dr. Bill style. Paul's like, oh God, I'll put my feet up now.
0: <laughs> oh boy. Hey, hey, uh, Paul, could you text me when he's done? I was gonna take a little nap.
2: Are
0: so cool- man is. I can, I, can,
1: I can write to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Send me a letter. Thanks.
2: We're shown a man, an, un, an unnamed individual, but I'm sure we will figure out who this person is rather quickly by the series of events that will take place throughout the story. Who is ready for death, ready to escape his crime, and some golden a two doors open, and he is summoned to enter through, and he finds himself at the council of the, the Councils of Wizard, which I believe would be also the Rock of Eternity, would it not, Paul?
1: Mm. Yeah, I think, that, I think that would make sense.
2: Yeah, and uh, so there he is judged by the Council of Wizards to be guilty, guilty. Uh, him and two other people. Uh, the other people are Pandora. Uh, we won't say who this individual, the uh, our I- individual is, although the title of the book is Phantom Stranger, so we do know that. And then the other person, uh, which I don't know if you guys knew this or did any research this is the person that will become the question Mm -hmm. so uh he is judged first they are they are deemed to be the trinity of sin and he is whisked away whoop um and his penalty his uh he's also oh i don't know there's like a bunch of silver thrown out of him at him a coin the coins a reminder of my greed and greater sin and they are bonded around his neck and he is tossed off somewhere And he finds himself uh, just off in the wilderness. And there's a robe nearby, which is a robe of the individual he betrayed. And he dons the garb as his uh, and kind of hides himself from the villagers. And they're like, who are you, friend? He's like, oh, nothing. I'm just a stranger. And he waves his hand and they kind of get like their eyes go glossy. And then he is told his penance is to walk the world until one day he will serve the greater good and work off his debt. And then we come to modern times, and we recognize the more modern garb of the Phantom Stranger. And he hears the voice, and he's told, go help help a man, seek him out. Needs what to be, needs to be done. It is time to make amends. He travels to this location, and it is, we find Jim Corrigan, which many of you will also recognize that name, because that uh, is another prominent DC character who will pop up at the end of the story. So he goes and helps him to... Find his fiance, not uh, the Phantom Stranger's fiance, but Jim Corrigan's. But through the machinations of this, Jim Corrigan is killed. But after he dies, the specter leaps out of his body and is ready to lay the smackdown on the Phantom Stranger. But he is pulled away by others because there, um, others have things for him to do and for his wrath to be directed elsewhere. And then as the Phantom Stranger stands there, one of the pieces of silver around his neck falls off. And that is the first of uh, many deeds paid that he will have to do in order to be released from his uh, penance. So if anybody hadn't guessed at this point, the Phantom Stranger is... Anyone? Anyone's
1: Iscariot. yeah,
2: Yeah.
1: But... So, he was not always Judas. As far as I can tell, this is the first time oh, yeah, that this, they this time, that yeah. they gave him that origin. Yes. And I did yes. I did some very, very minor research. I'm not gonna try and pat myself on the back for looking things up on Wikipedia. But uh, According to Wikipedia, it's under Origin, Fictional Character Biography. It says, unusual for a comic book character of such longevity. Nothing in the way of personal data about the Phantom Stranger, his real name, his true nature, or his origins, has ever been revealed. DC produced a special issue of Secret Origins, Volume 2, Number 10, that postulated four four possible origins. And it, the One was a variation of the wandering Jew story. He was a man named Isaac with a wife and a young son in Bethlehem during the time of Jesus's childhood. When King Herod heard there was born a child who would be king of the Jews, he orders the massacre of the innocents in order to kill the Christ child. Among the people killed were Isaac's wife and son. Blind with anger, he spends the next 30 years raging against Jesus. During the Passion of Jesus, Isaac bribes a God to let him take his place and participate in the flagellation of Christ. Jesus condemns Isaac to tarry in this world until I come again. The second, stranger was a man in biblical times who was spared God's God's wrath by an angel. Questioning God's actions, he commits suicide. The angel forbids his spirit from entering the afterlife, reanimates his body, and condemns him to walk the world forever. Third one, the Phantom Stranger is a being caught in a time loop near the end of the universe. The Phantom Stranger appears, approaches a group of scientists who are trying to transfer energy from the Big Bang to extend the life of the universe. The Phantom Stranger realizes that one of the scientists is really an avatar of anti-life and that their efforts will prevent the universe from ever existing. Uh, the story concludes with Phantom Stranger passing a portion of himself to a scientist who dives through the portal to the Big Bang, intercepts the beam that would have drained the Big Bang, and becomes the Phantom Stranger, completing the cycle. And the fourth is the Phantom Stranger was a fallen angel who sided with neither heaven nor hell during Lucifer's rebellion, and thus was condemned to walk the Earth alone for all time. So they give you four possible origins and secret origins, none of which have him being Judas Iscariot. But in Hmm. this story, it's very, very clear that they do that. I kind Mm -hmm. of prefer the, hey, you know what? we don't know exactly who he is. I almost like the Joker kind of thing where you get mm-hmm. many, many right. origins and you have no idea which one is reality. Mm. Mm-hmm. But this seems very, very clear. It, it, you know, I did, while well, they never use the name Judas Iscariot, it, it, it doesn't seem to be, uh, any secret whatsoever.
0: No. Like I said, I, I hadn't read this, uh, this one when it came out but i was familiar with the story you know it's been on on the long list of of books for me to check out either just on my own or uh specifically for the or darkness to light show plug so i was glad (laughs) to have an excuse uh, uh, uh to read this one because this was a a discussion point on uh Christian, geeky social media back in 2012, 2013 when it came out.
1: I did read this when it first came out because when the New 52 first started, I was I ended up ultimately being disappointed by it, but I was very, very curious when it first started and I I did make an effort to check out a lot of the new series that started and see how they were going to play them out. Uh, And again, like I said, I think I ultimately was disappointed with them, but... This was among the ones that I did read from the beginning, and but I, I don't think it took too too long for me to kind of lose interest and move on to other things. Mm-hmm. So, so, anybody, so we're saying what we think of this origin. What do you think, Bill?
2: Oh, I I find it interesting. I like that last one you said, where um, from the secret origins to where he was neither that he was a fault that he was an angel that took. That didn't side with either side in the conflict. I find that one interesting. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I kind of like the his uh, original garb a little better, like with the Stark the hood. You know, bl- well, well, no, no. I mean, I mean, original, original with the black with the white. Yeah, because here it's all muted. Like, like the like that, colors that blue. They- you, you, you like that big medallion. Yeah, I like the big the big medallion, too. D.I.F. Agamotto. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, the art in this book is pretty good in the beginning, but then I don't – it's the same artist throughout, but it kind of – it almost looks like it becomes rushed, and it seems more so when there's a transition from the old world to the new. Do you guys see that? Like, when we get to modern day, uh-huh. the characters don't look as defined and finished. Like, there's not as much detail.
0: I imagine they were trying to do some sort of... Noir? Yeah, or just some sort of stylistic change. Could be. You know, to yeah, identify the two
2: eras, but... Yeah, I guess it could be that. I, so, feel like, I mean, like uh,
1: the, the modern day artwork looks a little stiffer. They they don't mm. look quite as mm-hmm. right. as as fluid.
2: I do like the idea that he had a part in the creation of the Spectre.
1: And and the Spectre don't like him for it. Oh no <laughs> no
0: no no. I mean I like I I like bringing in the Spectre because if you're going to talk about you know capital letters big cosmic stuff mm-hmm. in 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 the DCU you have to at least address the notion. Of how that's going to
2: relate to the Spectre, or the Sphincter. I mean, oh, sorry.
1: And you, you know, they're that. not going to unless unless this proved to be incredibly popular, you're probably only going to have one series. You're not going to have a Spectre book and okay. a Phantom Stranger book. So you might as well have the Phantom, the uh, Spectre be a, you know, supporting character in this or uh-huh. an antagonist
2: to was, him. I don't know if he was uh, had his own series at this time. But this, I, don't,
1: I don't believe he did.
2: But this was the, I mean, this is the fourth volume of the Phantom Stranger. Now, some of the other volumes were, uh, you know, not that long. Um, this one was 22 issues. Um, it changed over to Trinity of Sin, the Phantom Stranger with issue nine, but went 22 issues.
0: The crazy thing is you can say 22 issues, you know, that's not a bad run these days.
1: No. It's, it's kind of sad. That
0: That's sad. That. That's sad.
2: Well, Volume 3 went four issues. That was a mini. That was back a mini. In 19, yeah, not back in 1987. Oh, man, I'm going to have to look for these now. Mike Magnolia did that? Ooh. It's not and, bad. And Volume 2, wow, Volume 2 went 42 issues.
1: But if I remember correctly, that was more of a, uh, almost like an anthology type story. No, I don't think I don't see at least I don't recall there being a continuing narrative kind of running through it. Mm.
2: I couldn't kind of like wrong. he was like he, he was the Rod one. Serling of uh And then we had volume save, one of the Phantom Stranger. Save 19... that for a segue. Oops, nineteen yes. Nineteen fifty two to nineteen fifty three six issues of Phantom Stranger. And yep. Wow. Well, Phantom Stranger. I like the Phantom. I like the Phantom Stranger. He's cool.
1: I think I, I'm trying to remember. I think when I read this, when it first came out, though, I think I did enjoy it at the time. Uh, but I seem to remember questioning the whole Judas origin even back then, saying I, I wasn't sure that I particularly cared for them, making it so exact. And you Bill, you and I were talking on the phone the other day, and I was saying there's certain characters where I feel it's almost better if they stay shrouded in mystery. You can you can yeah. you can point the reader mm-hmm. towards certain things, but then pull away and point them towards something else so that there's still some question as to what exactly is going on. Uh, I definitely think, you know I think the character of Wolverine lost a little something when he lost the mystery of of his origin.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh, speaking of a mystery. So the other woman that's with them in the the Trinity of Sin—that's—I uh, don't know if I was. Yeah, I don't know if I was clear exactly. Pandora. If those of you who don't know who Pandora is,
1: just look. She up, makes she makes bracelets.
2: I was going to say, look up her box.
1: <laughs> oh,
2: <laughs> because there's some nasty things in there that you shouldn't have let out. And then we had all kinds of problems in the world. <laughs> COVID nineteen was in that box. Well so, should we move on and rate it? I mean, does anybody have any? There's there's no like really any major flubs or anything that jumps out with the art. I do like no, I, the I, I like the double page of the full body of the of uh, the, the specter. Yeah.
1: yeah, I thought I thought the story flowed pretty well I think it was a you know a fairly easy read uh, even in the current day of uh, you know decompressed storytelling I thought it, contained, it had decent
2: do it links
1: yeah it, it had some meat I didn't feel like it was a you know I read this in five minutes and it was done but I also never felt like it lagged at any point where where I had to kind of like pour on a page just to figure out what was going on uh, so I, I, I thought it it had a good balance as far as that went Especially for the era yeah. it came out in, I, I, you know, you don't yes. see that balance yes. that often.
2: All right. So the cover. I'm going to give the cover. Eh, it's, it's not good. It's not bad. I think all of these these issues were like this. I think they all like all the zero issues had the uh, like a like the characters bursting out of.
0: Uh, yeah, I think they had a similar
2: trade yeah. dress or cover concept so, I mean, for that period it, just kind of because of that it, it's it's going to knock it down and mm, I'd hate to give it a C but so I'll just give it like a C plus it's okay tight it's alright and uh, actually the alternate cover with the black and white with the lettering uh, in I like red that. and black I, I kind of like that a little better than the than the standard cover, the interior art I'm going to give that a B, and the story I will give that a B plus. So be squeaking into B plus for
1: me. So you're saying B good?
2: Yes. Oh. Be good or the sphincter will get you.
1: Okay. Well, I'm going to say I'm not. Gonna, I don't want to. Penalized the cover for following a format that they gave them to do with it. Uh, on the other hand, it's you know it's fairly simple. It's a poster image. Doesn't really have much more to it than that. Uh, so I, I think a B is a is, is a good grade. It's better than average. So I'm I'm going to say a B is is good. The interior art, despite the fact that like I said, they don't look as fluid in the current day or the you know the modern stuff. I do think the art is pretty good. I kind of like what Brett Anderson has out there. I think it's very easy to follow and, you know, there's nothing where it's like you don't know. There's, there's no pictures where I see uh, any particular problem as far as the proportioning or the anatomy or anything like that. Uh, I think you know, it, it's I would say the biggest problem is I don't really see anything that distinguishes the faces of characters that much uh, to the point where I'd know who's who. But Overall, I like it. I'm going to say it be on the interior art as well. Uh, and the story, my biggest thing with the story is I just don't know if I like them, you know, totally pinpointing the origin the way they do. Uh,
0: yeah, I, I, if I prefer, you don't like
1: the premise, it's hard to like the story. Yeah, mm. that's that's the thing. is I, I think it's well told and I think it's an enjoyable read, but the ramifications of being so exact with his origin – I feel like that diminishes the character. So it's like, it's just from a reading point of view, I'm going to give the book a solid B, but from a future, you know, ramifications point of view, I'm going to drop it to a C because I don't like that they do that. So over overall, I'll give the book a B minus. I
0: think I like the cover, uh, most, uh, uh, of us I like the black and white background if you like the blue purple you know of the of, of the center uh, you know the art piece there it stands out and it's you know clearly identifiably the phantom stranger it is simple simple doesn't have to mean bad or or, or incomplete so to me that's a b, borderline b plus on the cover uh, interior art again it it did its job well. And sometimes when you're dealing with the stranger and the specter, especially that can be a difficult job because, you know, you're, you're dealing with, uh, you know, the specter, you've got this crazy size and scope that you have to deal with. So that can be a little tricky, but it was done well. Like uh, Bill said, beautiful uh, uh, two page spread there and no major blunders. And sometimes in, in, in comics these days, if you can say no major blunders, that's a good thing. So again, this may be on the lower side, B minus ish, maybe oh. uh, for the story. Like I said, I'm, I'm glad they addressed the Spectre, you know, brought that into the uh, into the story. Uh, both of those tie into a the Judeo-Christian viewpoint, especially obviously this origin of the Stranger, especially as opposed to say Doctor Fate or Wonder Woman. Um, you know but these are coming from sort of similar places in these versions so you have to you have to deal with that so I thought that was smart to do that here in in the zero issue and I'm a sucker for stories with biblical aspects to them darkness to light plug and uh, so far at least this story doesn't do anything so crazy in the biblical religious area that would turn me off so, solid B on the story. B overall. Glad I read it, and I certainly plan in the next uh, week or so to read a handful of more of these. I, I got this off the DCU app, and I imagine I'll just plow through until, like Paul said, at some point I'll probably get bored with it. But I'm certainly going gonna to move on to the next, uh, next couple of issues.
1: So, that's a success. All right, and that moves us to... Professor Allen's book.
2: Me? Me? We, we pick you. Oh, well, we don't have time to cover your book. Sorry. <laughs> oh, Bill. That's just mean. That's mean. You're a mean man.
0: I am covering The Independent this time. The Independent. Which is The Twilight Zone, number 92 from Whitman. Cover dated May 1982 and I bought this at the outrageous price of 50 cents.
1: That's why you can't be doing it on your show.
0: Exactly. I got, I got a slum <laughs> over here to cover it. Uh, this issue, this last, this is the last issue of this run. It was actually published after a three year break between this and, and issue 91. Um, the first 41 in this run were published under sort of the the Gold Key version of Western, and then the next 50 had both the Gold Key and Whitman versions. I don't know if either of you fellas know, but I assume that was a geographic thing. Part of Mm. the country got the Gold Key version of a book from Western, and part of the country got Whitman. I thought it it was a timing.
1: I actually thought it was a timing thing. I thought the company kind of changed divisions or something. Yeah, Uh, but it, it, I'm not really certain. But I know this particular story that you're going to cover. I did a again a, a modicum of uh, research, uh, and I saw that it was actually published in the Gold Key Twilight Zone number one.
0: Number one. Yes, this Back whole, in November this whole,
1: of '62.
0: Yep. This whole issue is a, is a reprint of Twilight Zone number one. So and even though this one technically was published in 1982. Uh, for context, these are this is a nineteen sixty two story that we 're going to cover
1: and we we had in in nineteen sixty two we had a similar cover, which I assume you're going to describe the one mm-hmm. that 's on this one only this the one on this book is penciled, and the original one was you know one of those gold key painted covers uh mm-hmm. with again a similar scene but not exactly the same mm-hmm I don't know if you've seen the uh, original. Yes,
0: it's. I think it's much better. Yeah, I do too. Uh, uh, this one, this cover is by Frank Bowl or Boweley, and it shows some drama on the high seas. A girl in distress leads oh. her rescuers on a voyage to nowhere. And We're uh, on a boat to nowhere. And oh, she I is in know. a she's in a boat called the Voyager. Or the Wanderer. <laughs> She's on the
2: Wanderer. Oh, that was a show to nowhere. <laughs> and, uh, so, and the,
0: you know, traditional, what we think of as a comic book, uh, uh cover, it's, it's more colorful than, than that original one. Uh, you know, a few changes in the, you know, body positioning, uh, of the people. Uh, I definitely think the, the painted cover was, uh, much, uh, Much, much better. Uh, This issue had three stories in it, but I'm only going to cover one. Uh, It is the longest story and the cover story. Uh, The other two, one of them was just more of a sci fi. So we sort of we're going for a little more spooky in this uh, in this one. And then the uh, the third story did not actually have Rod Serling. You know narration to it, and so the online speculation was that that was just a pre-existing inventory story that they that they stuck in. So I'm going with this with this one, which is Voyage to Nowhere. The well, one source credits Leo Dorfman as the scripter. We got Reed Crandall on pencils, and possibly George Evans on inks, and Ben Oda on letters. It was 58 years ago. Sometimes they didn't keep the greatest records. For Dan Harmon and Roy Corbett, this is no ordinary fishing trip. They're about to make the catch of their career in the twilight zone. So we start with Dan and Ray on a fishing boat out in the fog. They see a sailboat. It came out of nowhere. The sailboat... Got a girl at the tiller in clothes that are at least 50 years out of date. Remember, this is from 1962. So that's 100 years out of date. Through the fog, they hear her weary, hopeless voice. They tell her the way to Rock Harbor. She's lost the way. She wonders aloud, will I never get there? Dan notes something strange about the boat. and Roy points out that despite there being no wind, the sailboat is moving. And then a storm strikes with savage fury, a nor'easter. The girl is swept towards the rocks. She hasn't got a chance, pour it on, Dan. We've got to get over there. But she's gone without a trace. Now, when the two fellows get back to Rock Harbor, they checked into the inn, they notice a portrait of the girl, Carlotta Morney. She was killed in a storm whilst heading to Rock Harbor for her wedding, are you ready? 50 years ago. <gasps> bah, 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 bah. Since then, the innkeeper tells them, her phantom boat has been trying to find a haven. This very inn was once her home. But they're warned that she's always followed by a howling gale. Helping her would have cost you your life. Dan is able to dismiss the phantom legend, but Roy can't get his mind off the girl. I keep seeing Carlotta's face. Two days later, a fog rolls in on Dan and Roy's boat, and again they see Carlotta and her ghost ship. Again, she asks for directions to Rock Harbor, despite Dan trying to hold him back. Roy jumps onto her boat, the Wanderer. I'll take the rudder, miss. Don't worry. You're at safe hands now, he mansplains to her. <laughs> Dan te- tells him to turn back, but Roy yells back at his friend that he can't, that it's too late, and then he's gone. Dan reports it all to, to the authorities, but they don't believe him. They assume he's using that old legend to cover something up, like why is his buddy disappeared all of a sudden? The next morning, Roy's cap is found at the reef along with the wreckage of the wanderer but the timber is 50 years old. As they both head back, as they all head back, they see the wanderer on the sea with Carlotta and Roy aboard. After what we've just seen, the sergeant tells them there's no case against you
2: because, you know,
0: <laughs> sorry, supernatural sorry. law, spiritual law and, and ghosts and stuff.
2: I'll save my comment to the end.
0: It's the end of a cruise for Dan Harmon, but Roy Corbett has only begun his long voyage through the twilight zone.
2: The end. Is Barney Fife running the sheriff department in this town? <laughs> oh gosh, yeah. Undisputable ghost evidence there. Yeah, gonna have to. Let's go. <laughs> No oh, man, that guy would be locked up today. He's like, I'm oh, sorry, buddy. I don't care about this 50-year-old timber. I
1: see the ghost there, but if, I do, but if I use that as an excuse to get you out, they're going to throw me in the loony bin. So you're going to jail, dude. <laughs> yeah, I
0: I definitely think, you know, the, if, if, uh, if this were told today, it would be a tragedy in that he would be in prison for a crime he did not commit. That would be the, that that would be the, be the twist, twist ending. ending. Yeah, yes. the twist ending. And it would but, be more... Ironic. It would be dramatic. It would be much more Twilight Zone ish. But I guess they had to make it a kids' comic.
2: Yeah. So the next time you see, when they all see Carlotta and Roy on the boat, don't they look now like they're dead? Like they're kind of ghostly? I even blew up the picture and they do look a little bit more. They don't look human anymore. They look Mm. like ghosts. Well, there's the evidence.
0: Just bring out the jury.
1: Yeah, so we'll all, we'll all go out to sea.
0: <laughs> now, now, Paul, in your courtroom exploits, come on.
1: <laughs> used, I've, charter, used, a, I've used the breaks. ghost boat defense many times. <laughs> I
2: mean, you brought everybody up to a starship and then silenced the heartbeats of everybody on board,
1: right? <laughs> that's, that's one of my favorite moves.
0: <laughs>
1: it's just good
0: legal strategy, Bill. One of,
1: one of my one of my favorite m- maneuvers is to belittle my opponent if he's not using an actual legal pad.
2: <laughs> <laughs> or do you like drop your briefcase in the middle of the floor to get him to spin his neck around while he's wearing a neck brace like in the Brady Bunch episode oh. So, oh, this,
1: qu- this, this qu- qu- book oh, is so God. fascinating. That we've already got, we've already totally to got off the subject. I don't want to well, hear no,
0: anyone I, talking about dropping briefs in court, please. So Do now, now just just it. to talk
1: about this story though, just to, to go to this. first, I got to say I didn't find the story, I didn't find the irony of the story to be compelling at all. Uh, it's it's purely like you said, you know, maybe they had to, to kiddify it a little bit, but it's just kind of a not, no teeth to it ghost story is really what it comes down to. Uh, yeah. the, the artwork is, I think, typical of what you saw in those days from a gold key slash Charlton slash, you know, yes. put in quotations, independent type publisher. <laughs> uh, and, and for the most part, it's pretty run of the mill. Uh, I thought the artwork was at its peak in the scenes when they're talking to the innkeeper. I thought there's a couple of, like, moody-looking shots there. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. But I think you you and I had a different interpretation when we read it, uh, because your synopsis, I think, said that they came in and they saw this picture. My interpretation of it is they're two morons who are sitting there with this giant picture <laughs> over the fireplace, and they didn't even notice that it's the same woman until the innkeeper pointed it out to them. <laughs> there probably is that. <laughs>
0: You dumbos. Well, that's pretty strong stuff. The innkeeper said. Uh,
2: See, here's us. where, here's where, often like we do on listen to the prophet, uh, listen to the prophets, where we rewrite the episode of Deep Space Nine how we would have, how we thought it should have ended. So, when they're, when the one guy's back with all the cops, in the um, in the inn. I would have had some, in some way or machinations, his buddy is now in the portrait with the woman.
1: Oh, yeah. I thought that same thing. I was
2: I expecting thought that, that. was, what I was, was gonna expecting happen. that at the end. That's
1: the ending I was expecting.
2: And, like, like then the cops would look at him and they, then they'd say,
1: like, you're free to go. He, but, you but know what, that's, me, that's that's also Barney Fife sheriffing. But well, me, we got to let him I, go. I the, his friend's happened. in a picture. <laughs>
0: See, but that was that would have been a really good ending, but it was predictable, so they went for the surprise not as good ending. That was the actually, twist. Actually, the twist you know what? They could have done that
2: ending. ending on another Rod Serling show. They could have done it on Night Gallery. <laughs> That's the twist. It's actually not a Twilight Zone story at all. It's a Night Gallery episode.
0: Now, I do need to point out the that uh, Gold Key had a different sort of border and layout style the uh if, if if you look at the pages there's the gutters between the panel well, the panels don't have borders the, right. the panels are borderless and what is in between them is a pastel colored uh, uh, uh you know a uh, 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 gutter it's like a channel know, yeah quarter of an inch or so but between them so orange or greens other ones in this book there's some blues and yellows you won't be there's getting
1: some... any
2: neil adams that stuff outside the border here buddy <laughs> see take you and yeah. your crap somewhere else we'll have none of that in this book
0: very very uh everything is rectangular and square even the word balloons are rectangular <laughs> and i think uh You know, the the trick with something like this when you're reading a licensed book like this is is it a good comic story? Eh. But is it a good Twilight Zone story also? Like you have to you sort of have two layers like you're reading a Star Trek or Star Wars or X Files comic. You sort of have these two layers that you have to have to think about.
1: Well you know, I think we already kinda hit on the question of is the intended audience for the TV yeah. show the same as the intended audience for the comic.
0: Yeah.
1: And I think it isn't. I think the no. the TV show is intended for an older audience whereas the comic is intended for probably somebody nine, ten years old. Yeah. But I I, I do think that just about every Twilight Zone story should have some sort of a Ironic or twist ending. And this one really oh. just kind of drops the ball on that.
0: Yeah, I mean, and there's, there's no moral lesson at all There's there, other than don't jump into the boat of a stranger. Is that a lesson? I don't know. Of sorts, yeah. I guess. <laughs> so I, the first thing I thought was maybe she was some type of siren, you know, mm. you know willingly, yeah. you know, purposely leading, but wasn't that. So, you know, so it's more of a you know, ghost ship. You know, that's, a, that's a, that's a, that's a genre of sorts, I guess.
1: She's like a ghost damsel in distress.
2: Yeah. <laughs> okay, the, but she's also trying to get back to Rock Harbor for what? Her for wedding. her wedding.
1: She's but only the other, 50 years late. But the other so dude, if, the other dude figures the, the groom's dead already, so he can go after her.
2: Or did he think he, I mean, what was his end game here? Was, did he think he was going to? I mean, maybe – okay, maybe the twist would have been that maybe she was not a ghost because her body was never found and then it was some type of time loop and he jumps in and he saves her and then marries her and that's why he's in a portrait. Would and, it then, have been, and then um, the innkeeper tells a different story, but the only people that know the difference is the, guys that, is the guy that was out on the boat and they think he's crazy and they lock his ass up.
1: Would it have been a more satisfying ending if it had been that he was still caught in the time loop with her, but now that they were together, they were both happy? Would that have been more it, satisfying? It was
0: well, their. The, it, it turns out to be their honeymoon
2: cruise.
1: Well, it's, it becomes like they they were destined to be together somehow. Yeah. Right.
2: yeah. Uh-huh. Like it, he's able to free her and then they just kind of sail the, the seas together or something. Yep. But, but I mean, I think they could have, you know. He should have been in a picture if this was a Twilight Zone episode, he should have been in a picture yes. back in that freaking bar or that that whatever in. He should have been in the picture, period. For this to be a Twilight Zone story. And the only guy that knows about it is the guy who's on the boat.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. And, and then, blame, like you said,
0: it, and like you said, if you if you want to go dark, he gets arrested or committed. Yeah. But. So uh, speaking of listening to the prophets, uh, what
2: did Blaine say? Uh. Blaine said that I can't <laughs> pronounce Specter correctly. Oh wait, I said it right.
1: See. If you tried real hard. Well, because you weren't really saying it. You were just saying what Blaine said.
2: True. Yeah, true. exactly. <laughs>
1: sure. All right, so why don't we rate this one now?
0: <laughs> so uh, for the cover, I, I did like the original one a bit more. Just muted colors gave a more overall, a more ominous feel. You know, but it, it gets the job done. And I, I think w- with a book like this, The most important part of the cover, the part that's going to draw a reader in, are the two words, Twilight and Zone. Like, when you have a brand, that brand is so well-known, I don't know that the cover details are all that important, but, you know, it's it's a C, definition of a C, I think. Uh, Similarly, the art, sort of standard 60s fare, nothing dramatic or especially notable either direction. So, C, and the story, you know, it was a weird, eerie ghost story, yeah, pretty good, nine and a half pages. Unfortunately, it was 11, so a little bit of a letdown at the end, uh, you may have been able to uh, uh, figure that out, uh, you know, so that's probably a, a C as well, so I guess that all averages out to, uh, let me see, I'm a professional educator, I'm going to see a C. And a C. So that averages to a D minus. No.
2: I, mean, <laughs> I think I might have taken extra- your class. <laughs> you got to okay, add in a- all that extra credit you give people. That's right. So that, that brings it up to a C.
1: That brings it up to a D minus.
0: <laughs> I mean, for the era, I guess it works. There is nothing special about the story.
2: Uh uh yeah, the covers okay. You got that scratchiness to kind of make the uh is interesting on the sail to make it look like cloth or like a like some type of thick canvas or something. Um but then again a sail shouldn't really be that thick. Well, I get. well I guess it could be. It needs to catch the wind. Anyway, um it's Ghost Canvas. Oh, Ghost Canvas. Yes, Failed. yes, yes. Um, I don't know how he's standing in that boat like that. Don't look very safe to me. Like He's like one second away from being flipped out of that boat, the way they're riding he's, that wave. He is getting ready to jump. I don't think he can make it that distance. No. <laughs> Take my hand. No. <laughs> Why do they just pull her on their boat? Wouldn't that have made more sense? Anyway, I'll give the cover a I'll give it a C. Uh, the interior art, uh, I mean, it's it's adequate for the storytelling. It's not bad art, but it's not good art. I mean, yeah, it's a C. And the story, yeah, I would have changed a lot of things and made this a better story. Uh, I will give it a C minus.
0: Overall a D minus.
2: Overall, yeah. Overall, (laughs) yeah. Barely scraped it by with a C minus.
1: So the problem I have right now is that seeing the original cover not only is it superior to the remake, but it diminishes the remake. Yours is superior. So okay. I, I feel the We're need the to try and line, couldn't pass it up. <laughs> I feel the need to try and remove my thoughts of the original so that I could rate the redone cover as if it was the only version. And I think in that regard, to me, honestly, it still looks a little below average. Not terrible, but below average. So if average is a C, I'm gonna give it a C minus. It's not a bad cover, but it's slightly below average, uh, whereas the original, just by the way, is almost an A. I think it's really well done. I mean, it is your prototypical Charlton Gold Key painted cover, but it just looks – and it's you It's know
0: really moody. It's really moody. It's, it's just much better.
1: And what I have to say is the same way the seeing the original diminishes the remade cover – Seeing the remade cover props up the original. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. The interior art, I feel, is almost the definition of average. Uh, But there are a couple of shots that are, like I said, in the scene, in the end and all, that that seem to be, I like the 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 moodiness of them, so I think it, it, it just brings it up the slightest bit. So it's like between a C and a C plus, it, it could be, you know, it's it's scraping somewhere between the two, but I'm gonna be generous and give it the C plus. Uh, and the story I I can't give it a high grade for the story just because the it lacks that last moral or irony or something to make it a Twilight Zone story. Just putting a cartoon version of Rod Serling at the end doesn't make it to Twilight Zone. Uh, <laughs> so, I'm going to say a D on the story because I just feel like you know, so what? It's really what I walked away after I read it. That's what I was thinking. Uh, so I think over-
0: each, each of us pitched a separate better ending. There were <laughs> so, ways yeah. not just there was a better choice there were lots of better choices.
1: And none of us are professional writers for a living. So, you know, yeah, <laughs> if, if we can all do better endings, then, then the, it feels like the the writer here just kind of mailed it in. And, you know, maybe that was, maybe that was the attitude. Cause I think some of these books were put out, you know, on a, on a very quick basis and just, you know, throw it together and get it out and see if we can get some Rube kids to buy it. Uh, but overall, I'm gonna, I'm going to give the book a uh, a C minus. Well, actually, wait a minute. It's C minus, C plus, and a D. That's an F, isn't it?
0: That's the way I grade them.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'll give it the C minus. <laughs> so that's our three books for tonight. Alan, thanks for coming on and joining us.
0: Oh, thanks for the invitation, and I always appreciate you. Putting those invitations out early in the morning when, you know, everyone else is still asleep it really helps
1: I, me get in there. It's always good that, that you're just sitting by the hotline waiting for us to call. Because <laughs> <Waiting.
0: laughs> I know by, you know, 7.15 in the morning, it's going to be too late. Nope, by, not by then it's
1: too late. Nope, but if it's before I that, just picture you sitting, sitting there all the time looking at the phone waiting for <laughs> it to call's call. The going to come. Alan, uh, are you going to work today? No, Paul might call. No, Paul might call. <laughs> He, he recorded last night. I don't care. Then <laughs> he comes sliding down on a fire pole. <laughs> with a with with big onesie on. Anyway, <laughs> Alan, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you if, as if they don't already know.
0: Well, thank you. Most of our work can be found at the Relatively Geeky Podcast Network run by me and my only child, M., Over there, you can find shows like The Quarterbin Podcast, The Comics Reading Journal, Doomspeak, and Shortbox Showcase. And then, uh, as I may have mentioned once or twice in this episode, we have been doing a side project for about five years now called Dorkness to Light, which uh, over there we talk about the specifically religious and spiritual content that appear in Various items of pop culture, including a very early episode all about the Spectre. All
1: right, cool. So that'll do it for today. Thank you you to everyone. What?
2: You know he's got a Doctor Doom onesie.
1: And it's got the hood that comes down over his face to look like (laughs) like the metal mask. Just saying. So thanks, everybody, for listening. Thank you, Alan, for coming on. Thank you, Bill, for always being so Bill-like. And uh, we'll see you all next week. What exactly
2: does that mean? Thank you so much for listening to our show, and we hope you'll continue to join us each and every week for more good old-fashioned comic book back-issue awesomeness. You can contact Back to the Bins to leave feedback, comments, questions, suggestions, and criticisms via email at bins at two com or by joining the Back to the Bins group on Facebook. Back to the Bins is a proud affiliate of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network, which you may find at www.twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is a registered trademark of Demanzo Corp of Milan, Italy. All rights reserved. Please take a moment to stop by the twotruefreaks.com site and check out their many other fine podcasts, won't you? Thanks. And we'll see you next week.
0: Of all the Bills I've ever known, Bill was the most Bill.